This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. Jimmy out alone with Bruce Marshall here in a Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. Bruce, I am still losing sleep. Fourth and one, 24 seconds to go. Catching seven and a half in Morgantown. The guy jumped to go on long count, jumps off sides. No timeouts, of course, left for, left for West Virginia. He had the ball. It's over, right? Nah, take a shot to the end zone. No risk. Build your stats. Widen the lead. Tough one in Morgantown. They were burning furniture in Morgantown for all the wrong reasons if they took the seven and a half against TCU and that wild one on Saturday. Yeah, but boy, the TCU people, whoever had the frogs there, was jumping up and down. If nothing else, admire Max Duggan's individuality there. I mean, that's just sort of an automatic. Hey, they jump offside. We'll take a shot. I mean, they wouldn't have done that unless, <laughs> unless the West Virginia guy jumped offside. But there you go. That that was one. Uh, you know, another one. Uh, Wake Forest had a game against Louisville at the end. If you had the over in that game, it looked like you were going to miss it. Louisville had an interception right. in the last uh, minute. The guy was running around and then fumbled the ball back at the 10-yard line, giving Wake Forest one more shot, which they scored to get over. It was a bad day for Wake Forest. But that West Virginia game uh, – if you had the Mountaineers, that was one of the bad beats of the year. Uh, what about Penn State? Penn State is covering for all but a minute and a half of that game. That was about to be a bad beat, then turned backdoor cover. As the Nittany Lions were certainly game against Ohio State uh, for a big part of that. The early kickoff, they made a lot of it. They could do the wideout. They did it against Minnesota and Jeez, we've seen the green jerseys come out against Cal and the whiteout against Minnesota. Where in the heck have we gone in college football for using the motivational angles? But uh, anyway, you know, Ohio State was in some trouble, in some trouble in that game down in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they were. And, uh, boy, more emotions swinging back and forth in that that game as far as the point spread go in the last few minutes. I mean, that would have been a brutal loss for Penn State if they didn't uh, cover that game because they were there the whole way. But, you know, Ohio State pulled that thing out of the fire. And, um, you know, Henderson's big runs really helped them out. Stroud uh, was struggling some for much of the day. But it shows you how explosive they can be. Their defense ended up delivering for them. So uh, they stay on course. And uh, now things are setting up pretty nicely in the Big Ten for that big showdown uh, in late November. But there's some other things going on in the Big Ten, too, which are kind of uh, interesting. But Ohio State, for them, importantly, staying on course, even though for their backers, fell a bit short with that last Penn State touchdown. Well, some of the texts I got after the West Virginia cover about some of my casual uh, handicapping friends 
uh, made me feel just fine. Just keep doing what I'm doing. They'll work, they'll work my way uh, eventually because if they're right, uh, I'm, you know, I'm on the right side there. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State, get a little nasty, huh? Uh, big number, came up just a tad short. Um, and overall in the Big Ten, you had some comments. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, that was uh, some some ugly stuff there. I mean, you get the police involved? I mean, afterward, I mean, this is getting a little bit out of hand there with Michigan, Michigan State. But Illinois, um, let's just look at – we've talked about them uh, some uh, this season. They have drawn clear in the West. They're not home free yet. They've still got the game with Purdue. Purdue could uh, – could, uh, uh, if they they beat Illinois, they'd beat a tie, they'd win the tiebreaker against the Fighting Illini. But but here's the deal: I, Illinois is the best team in the West. Um, let's never mind the scenarios and all that. I don't think there's going to be any scenarios other than them winning. They are the best team in the West. Devito had a very good game last week, and I think let's just look at the schedule here. It I mean it is possible. I mean nobody's mentioned Illinois as a possible Final Four team, and I know that's far fetched. But the schedule would allow them a chance because they, they get Michigan before the end of the season. They might then get Ohio State. I mean, they're going to be, they'd be underdogs in both games. But I don't know. I mean, this is the best, uh, this is the top-ranked defense in the country. Ryan Walters, the coordinator, is getting all sorts of accolades right now. He's on the short list of some of these job openings. I think he's probably going to get one. He could go back to Alma Mater, Colorado if he wants, I think. But Brett Bielema, what he's done here in short order, he's created what he had at Wisconsin in short order in two seasons here in Champaign-Urbana. It's time we start talking about Illinois, I think, in, in the conversation. It's not – it's yeah, I know the big two in the other half of the uh, – of the uh, in the Big Ten in the East, but Illinois is taking care of business here. And with that defense, they got a shot. So keep an eye on the Illini here as November progresses. Illinois eight to one to win the Big Ten right now. And that uh, I, I just don't think about that because I just don't give a much of a chance whoever they play in the Big Ten championship. But they just keep taking care of business, and finally the odds makers have caught up with them of uh, putting a big number out there, sixteen and a half and forty two and a half against Michigan State. All right, we're going to get to uh, some of the Big Ten games in a little bit, and also Pitt in West Virginia. But Maction, Maction, you can't spell Mac. Without the M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L. Bruce Marshall put the Mac in action. ESPNU and ESPN2 tonight. First o'clock, first, first of all, it's 7 o'clock Eastern kickoff. Kent State, 2-2 two and two in the league, 7-62.5 and, and a half over Ball State, who's also 2-2 two and two in the league. 65% of the tickets early on taking the, uh, taking the points. In Ball State here at 65%. Yeah, if it's November, you know it's Maction time in the midweek, so here we go. And uh, next week, I think we got six midweek games. We got four of them this week, so let's kick this one off. Uh, south of Cleveland there with Kent State uh, here against Ball State. You know, these teams, the, the first thought here uh, on the Bet Rivers numbers there, under is something I think you might want to look at here because that's what both of these teams have been doing lately. Kent State 4-1 and one last 5 under. Ball State 5-1 and one last 6 under. So where the total where it's at there, over 60 there, I think you might be having a uh, – this might be a spot where you want to look uh, under. It, it's an interesting side here. Uh, uh, Kent State, uh, you could make a case maybe against Kent State too. They haven't been covering games in, in the MAC. They failed to cover their last four. Uh, but uh, even though they're, they're favored here tonight – they, you know, let, let's see if Colin Schley, their quarterback, is uh, available. We're, we're not sure if he will be available. Um, uh, Kirkman played in the last game uh, instead of Schley, so that's uh, something you've got to watch here for, for Kent State. 
Um, this is a running team, though, and that's another reason why I like uh, the under and the pace of the game. will be kind of slower tonight, I think. Uh, they're rushing for better than 230 yards per game. That is pretty good for a max side. So uh, Kent State will run the ball and, uh, and slow it down. Um, ball State, Paddock, their quarterback, his numbers have really dropped here in the last uh, month after he was passing for well over 200 yards a game earlier. Uh, that's dropped almost in half uh, for him uh, lately. Uh, so, uh, and, and with Steele running the ball, they've got a pretty good running back too. I, I think the pace of this game and the fact both these teams can run the ball and will run it makes the under uh, a lot more interesting here tonight. And even though we, I, I think Kent State will win, the fact they've been falling a little bit short against the number, I'm a little bit leery to lay points with them. But the under, I think, makes a lot of sense here tonight in this one. Maybe a little bruised up after that non-conference schedule at Washington, Oklahoma, yeah. and Georgia uh, to start the year uh, this year. They were competitive against Oklahoma and uh, Georgia, but, uh, again, that'll take its toll uh, on a uh, a lower uh, lower level team. All right, uh, six uh, six thirty Central, seven thirty Eastern kickoff on ESPN two. Buffalo's four and zero in the league, three and fifty nine against uh, over uh, over Ohio. Ohio three and one in the league. This is the uh, top two teams: Buffalo one, Ohio two in the Eastern Division. 78% of the tickets on Ohio taking the three points. Yeah, a little surprise at that. That Bet Rivers number suggests uh, I, I think there might be some value here with the Buffalo if we're only looking at the three. Interesting here. Uh, both of these teams, there's some similarities at least from last year. Uh, they both had to replace their coaches last year after spring practice um, in, in Buffalo. Lance Leopold left at the end of April for Kansas after the Les Miles uh, uh, fallout there, and he took some of his staff with him. And unlike some schools would at that point just promote from within, Buffalo went outside of the program there, and uh, Mo Linguist comes in. He had just been hired on Michigan staff by Jim Harbaugh. They brought him in. So it was a late start last year for Buffalo. He had to rearrange the staff, and, and it was almost understandable that Buffalo would have some struggles last year. Now, Ohio U went the other way because Frank Solich, uh, for health reasons, stepped back in, in July, and Tim Albin was promoted. Now, Albin had sort of been the coach in waiting there. He had been with Solich his entire career there at Ohio, had been with him back at Nebraska. And Albin was no interim appointment. They gave him a four-year contract right off the bat. So uh, that's they, so two different ways of doing it. And Ohio struggled. They both struggled last year. Um, and I was thinking, you know, maybe this wasn't a really good move for Ohio with 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 Albin promoting him. He wasn't Solich, and they struggled. <clears throat> but they have turned it around some lately. Uh, and they've won three straight, and they've covered four in a row. Uh, and Curtis Rourke is a really good uh, quarterback. Sixteen. TD passes, just three picks. He's ranked sixth nationally in passing, over 2,400 yards, and he's been there a few years, so he's giving them some experience at quarterback, and the performance level has been good. I really like what Linguist, though, has done with Buffalo, and I we sort of saw this back in September. They played a really good Coastal Carolina team tough, uh, and this is after they had a little bit of a bumpy road at the start. They lost that game to, to Holy Cross, which isn't a bad FCS team, but still they that was a stinging loss to them in September. But they picked it up. After the, co the Coastal game, they got a spread push out of that, and it has been full steam ahead since. Five wins and covers in a row for the Bulls. Won that game against Toledo in their last time out, and that may be a preview of the MAC championship game. Um, 
uh, Snyder, the transfer quarterback from Rutgers. Here's where, here's where the transfer portal works. For a guy like this who didn't have a chance to play at Rutgers, he's putting up some very good numbers here for Buffalo. Justin Marshall's favorite target comes in from Louisville. So he's got the transfer portal is working as it should here for Buffalo. And how about these running backs, Cook and Washington? Washington, the freshman, they're combining for about 1,000 yards rushing thus far. So it's a balanced attack for Buffalo. And with uh, that Bet Rivers number where it is, uh, I actually think there's a little bit of value in the, in the Buffalo's idea. I know Ohio's been playing well, but Buffalo's been on a roll. And when you beat Toledo the way they did and coming back to do it, Toledo is a very good team. They got something going there for the Bulls. So I'm going to call it 34-24 Buffalo. So I'm going to lay the points with the Bulls, Jimmy. Uh, both of these teams just want to win away uh, from getting their uh, over, their win total over. Uh, both Ohio and Buffalo with five, five and three, and uh, five and a half uh, was the win total. We thought there was going to be a drop off uh, with Solich uh, leaving, uh, but uh, Ohio has exceeded expectations uh, to this point. All right, the Wednesday MAC doubleheader. Both of these games will kick off at the same time at seven Eastern on ESPNU. Northern Illinois is one and three in the league, four and fifty-five and a half over Central Michigan. Central Michigan, who is one in three in the league. So the two bottom teams in the Western Division, 85, this is strange, 85% of the tickets on Central Michigan plus four, but 81% of the money. It's early still for a matching game on Wednesday, but odd disparity there. Again, Huskies, four and 55 and a half. Yeah, well, I think Bat River's got this number right where it should be. Um, and, uh, both of these, it's been disappointing for both of these sides here. I, I pity Thomas Hammock, uh, the Northern Illinois coach, because they've put up a pretty good fight in most of their games, but they have lost six or seven. And he's been down to his third-string quarterback uh, recently here. Uh, remember Lombardi, their starter? He got hurt after in during the Vanderbilt game back there in late September when he was posting some really big numbers in that game. They're up two touchdowns. Yeah, and he, he goes out and then – and and they end up losing that game. They've been down to their third-string quarterback lately. So it's been uh, a little bit bumpy, although they've been sw- swinging away and, and putting up a pretty good fight. They blew out Eastern Michigan a couple of weeks ago. It has still been kind of a tough go. More intrigued here by Jimmy Mack at, uh, at Central Michigan. And um, it's a bit's been disappointing in Mount Pleasant for the chips here. They've been, they've been uh, struggling lately. And one thing about McElwain, uh, since he's come to CMU, He's had tendency to go on a lot of uh, uh, streaks versus the spread. His first year there in 2019, he had a six-game uh, spread winning streak. Um, he had another six-game spread winning streak last year. He had a four-game spread losing streak. He's on a four-game spread losing streak right now. I uh, switched quarterbacks in the last game. Richardson had not been doing it, so they went with Jace Bauer. His numbers look much better. That's probably the way McElwain is going here, uh, even though, the chips haven't been covering some numbers lately. Uh, the road dog roll has been pretty good for uh, McElwain since he showed up uh, at Mount Pleasant in 2019. Six and two as a Mac road dog. And given the fact Hammock is down uh, to his, uh, probably down here to his third quarterback, it looks like again, uh, and Bauer may be giving uh, Central Michigan some life. I-, I could see making a case here for the Chippewas. Uh, remember last year, too, it was down the stretch. All of a sudden, McElwain was able to hit the switch, and Central Michigan started playing pretty well down the stretch last year, covered games in November, and, and that bowl game, uh, they ended up playing Washington State on short notice, and they won that one. So I'm going to give McElwain benefit of the doubt here and call it 28-27 uh, Chippewas. 
close win. They may win this thing outright, but if uh, Bet Rivers is giving you what four and a half here, I think that might be the way to look. Yes, it's uh, four, four, four and fifty-five four. Okay. and a half uh, right now uh, as we speak. So uh, Bowling Green, the last game of this uh, uh, Tuesday Wednesday doubleheader, again kicking off at the same time as Northern Illinois Central Michigan. This one's on ESPN two. Bowling Green at home, three and one in the conference, four and a half and forty-seven and a half over Western Michigan, who's two and two in MAC play. Yeah, and uh, this is. Uh rare here you're i mean laying points here with bowling green even though that's not a big number it's still a a, a foreign uh, thing for the falcons they're uh, they don't get favored much and since last year they have failed to cover their three tries as chalk having said that though uh they're getting a little bit excited there as much as they can at bowling green uh because the football program has been down since dino babers left but they're on four wins right now. So Scott Lofler, whose job was considered to be on, in the balance this season, does have a chance to get these guys bowl eligible these next two Wednesdays. Wouldn't that be something at Bowling Green? And with Matt McDonald at quarterback, we might remember his dad, Paul McDonald, lefty at USC. Well, Matt's put up some pretty good numbers, 16 TDs, three picks, transferred from a BC, and he's given them some stability at quarterback. But I'm just a little bit leery about laying points because that has not been something that Bowling Green has been used to doing and uh, uh, that's been a different sort of a role for them so let's see what happens here I'm not sure if Western can take advantage Tim Lester he made a quarterback switch Uh, Salopic was just not doing it and uh, he went with the freshman the last time Bourget and they did win a game at Miami oh but it wasn't because of the offense only 16 to 10 the defense though uh, played pretty well uh, both these teams having, uh, you know, uh, a different role for, for Bowling Green. I'm not sure I want to lay points with them. Western Michigan with some of its uh, struggles offensively. I almost think I'd rather look under here. Just because Western has gotten involved in some lower scoring games this season, the quarterback switch, um, and I, I could sort of see this one going under. Uh, though I understand people liking Bowling Green here because the way they're, they're winning some games, they've got two wins in a row. But this is just such a foreign role for them, laying points. And it's not been a good spot for them. I think I'd rather go under in this one uh, at Doit Perry Stadium. All right. Uh, maybe Paul McDonald's son had – it was impressionable, uh, all that uh, orange and brown uniforms around the house. As he stuck right with it from the Browns to Bowling Green. All right, let's go through it. We talked about Illinois earlier uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, again, now the odds makers finally catching up. They have been a covering machine, 16-and-a-half, 42-and-a-half against Michigan State. Yeah, and, and we'll see Michigan State. Now, uh, Coach Tucker's had to suspend some guys after uh, the uh, tunnel incident against Michigan, and the fallout from that could still – there could still be some more fallout from that. They're just not that good this year, the offense. Uh, I mean, they, they hung around last week, but they just don't have enough offense this year, not enough help for Thorne. And if you don't have enough offense against this Illinois defense, we talked about them in the uh, earlier segment here, Jimmy, about 240 yards per game allowing. They're the top defense ranked in the country. Ryan Walters has those guys flying around. DeVito last week, uh, 20 for uh, 22 through the air in that game at Nebraska. They were mostly short, but, I mean, he's very efficient. He's given them stability at quarterback. And this is another spot where the transfer portal worked because he's been able to really find his footing there at Illinois after being at uh, Syracuse. Chase Brown also running the ball very well in Bielema-like fashion. But uh, 16.5, you're right, that is a big price. 42.5, that might not be too high though because uh or or too low uh because 
Illinois has been also an under machine since Bielema got there. Five and two under uh, this season. Another one last week. Uh, that game only landed 26-9 last week. Last year, uh, they were under as well. 13-5 and five to the under for Brett Bielema since he arrived in Champaign-Urbana last year. I mean, the formula is pretty well set with these guys. You uh, take care of the ball. This is what he did at Wisconsin. I mean, run the football, let your defense wins game, win games for you. That also is an under recipe, and I don't think Michigan State has enough offense to change that. So I'm going to look uh, under in this one, and uh, my score forecast is actually 27-6. to six. Uh, So I think Illinois can probably get there on the 16-and-a-half, but I would rather look at the under because that's cashing consistently. And you know that Illinois defense is going to show up every week. And if DeVito doesn't make mistakes, and he's not been making them, uh, the, the opposition's not going to have a short field. You just have trouble scoring against – most of these Big right. Ten teams can't score against this Illinois defense. That's going to be the case again this week. Uh, put it in perspective, what you were talking about earlier, about uh, maybe a shot for Illinois. Illinois 16-and-a-half over Michigan State. Last week, Michigan was 22-and-a-half. You extrapolate the numbers. I mean, six points different on a neutral field, Michigan to Illinois. I think that might surprise a lot of people. Have to do it at some point. They're 7-and-1 straight up, a 7-and-1 against the spread yes. also. And that one loss at uh, Bloomington on that Friday night was they got hosed pretty bad uh, with a call in the first half, and it was a tough, tough blow uh, in that one. Michigan 26-and-a-half at 45 at Rutgers. Boy, this Rutgers offense is going to have a hard time moving the ball against this defense. Boy, and I'll tell you, look at some of the scores. Uh, uh, Michigan has run up against Rutgers in recent years. Not last year as much. Rutgers played them pretty tough early last season um, uh, when, when they got off to a quick start, and it was only 20-13 to 13 at Ann Arbor. But look at some of those other scores, uh, 78 nothing, uh, 52 nothing. Now, when Kyle Flood was there, uh, you really saw – uh, Harbaugh run up some scores, um, and and Chiano last year kept that thing a lot more uh, competitive. But like you say, I mean, there's just no offense at, at Rutgers. Um, they just can't put points on the board, and this is a tough defense to go against because Michigan has got it going very well on that side of the line of scrimmage. Harbaugh knows impressive wins. They didn't quite uh, get you know get there last week against Michigan State against uh, the number, but uh, I'm I have a hard time putting down a Rutgers for more than, than 10 points in this game. And that that would be a stretch for them uh, to get there. Um, Shiano generally has fared better versus a spread on the road in the Big Ten than here at home, uh, where the numbers are a bit reduced, although this is a, a higher price this week. But Michigan can get there. Blake Corum uh, could use a little boost to his Heisman campaign. He's on the fringe of that discussion, but he may get a few more touchdowns here. But the bottom line is, I just don't see where Rutgers is going to score against this defense. Uh, you know, Vigil has not been the answer at quarterback, and, and they've looked for a couple of other options there. But Rutgers just doesn't have enough offense to do uh, enough damage here. So I'll call it 34-3 Michigan. So I think the, the Wolverines probably the way to look, uh, the under possibly as well. But uh, Harbaugh has a history of beating up these guys uh, in the past, and I wouldn't be surprised if he did so again. We talked about Penn State earlier uh, with that uh, with strong performance against Ohio State. Uh, they were there, and uh, they just uh, kind of uh, collapsed uh, at the end. They do get the backdoor cover, but this was close to 60 minutes of where you lose. You had to use your A-plus emotion 
place was electric, not an empty seat in a house in Happy Valley. How do you how do you get back up off the mat and travel to Indiana? How excited can you be to go to Bloomington to play here? And, you know, after a, an emotional game last week, Penn State 14 and 51 and a half at Bet Rivers on the road in Bloomington. Well, you're right, and this is the letdown thing, and you really wonder about the air out of the balloon when you when you have a, a kamikaze effort, which is what they had last week, and it falls short. Um, and, and now the, the dreams of getting, uh, you know, into the, into the playoff and all that, they're gone for Penn State now, and uh, they're just trying to get the best bowl they can. However, I mean, the alternative here uh, bothers me a bit more than worrying about the letdown. Um, you talk about a, I think, burnout. If you play at, at, at Indiana, and, and I've seen Tom Allen at Big Ten media days before, and bless his heart, I mean, he's into it. I mean, he's all, he's all football, but man, is he intense. I mean, if, if he's that intense talking to us at media day, I can only imagine what he's, I mean, it doesn't let up with this guy. He doesn't relent. I mean, it's just, you know, in your face all the time. And I think that started to wear wear on these Hoosiers last year, and it is this year. Uh, he's he's got some trouble uh, there as far as keeping on to holding on to his job. They just ain't doing it. They ain't covering numbers. They did cover a couple numbers recently here, but the extended point spread marks five and sixteen the last twenty one, not good. Um, and the offense just doesn't seem to be able to get over the hump here. If Penn State isn't too down from last week. I think they've got a shot to go in here and win. We know Franklin is all sorts of motivational tricks. He will remind his guys they lost a game here two years ago in the COVID season in the opener, a very bitter 36-35 loss. Clifford remembers that. And uh, they've just got more offense, I think, than Indiana. And that's why I think Penn State probably gets there this week. But this is also as much an anti-Indiana vote. I just don't like going with the Hoosiers now, Jimmy. All right, Indiana coming off the bye after that uh, that tough uh, loss against uh, Rutgers where they jumped out on top, uh, I mean, early, double-digit lead, and uh, did nothing uh, the rest of the way. All right, uh, Syracuse and Pitt. Uh, Pitt uh, winning in the uh, third quarter by uh, double digits, and then they just uh, – you talk about collapse in Chapel Hill. Uh, Carolina running away with it, uh, covering easily in the second half. Now Syracuse back-to-back losses against Clemson and Notre Dame. Uh, at Heinz Field, Panthers 3.5 and 48. Yeah, well, so much for that undefeated talk for Syracuse. No uh, Dick McPherson and Donnie McPherson uh, stuff from 1987, their last unbeaten team. Uh, that all went up in smoke when the schedule got a bit tougher. Uh, Dino's got another a problem here this week, and that's with uh, Schrader, the quarterback. And if he's going to play, I, it's kind of a mysterious, uh, you know, injury uh, that uh, you know pulled him out of the game uh, last week. So, and and he's been pretty noncommittal about uh, if he's going to go with the uh, young man with four names who uh, stepped in at quarterback last week against uh, against Notre Dame and struggled somewhat. I would I would rather have Schrader in there if I'm going to go with Syracuse on the road here. But I think it's it's pretty obvious that Pitt has really had a downturn this year, and we knew it would be very difficult, Jimmy, to replace uh, Keaton Slovis at quarterback. I'm sorry, to replace Kenny Pickett with Keaton Slovis at quarterback. Slovis has been a very poor imitation of Pickett. Pickett really blossomed last year, and Slovis, I think we're seeing why uh, they he lost his job at USC last year uh, to Jackson Dart. 
and he just has not picked up uh, the pace whatsoever this year. His numbers are not that good, certainly not picket-like. And uh, Pitt's struggling here now, and, and it looks like Narduzzi doesn't quite have the defense he had last year to bail him out uh, either. Um, if Schrader is playing, and that's a big if, I think Dino goes up there and gets a win, uh, uh, goes out west to, to Pittsburgh and get a win. Uh, these teams have been playing for a long time, uh, since 1955 every year. Uh, many years as an independent, they followed each other to the Big East. They came together down to the ACC. So there's a lot of history in this uh, rivalry. Uh, and uh, Syracuse, I think, has the edge this year, though, especially if Schrader can play. But that's a provisional pick. If Schrader's in there, I'm going to give Syracuse a vote 27 to 20 uh, at Heinz Field or Acrisure now, as they call it in Pittsburgh. All right. Uh, yeah, i got to update uh, the, my stadiums there. But, and then finally, uh, West Virginia – uh, game effort at home. They've been a uh, tough, uh, tough at home on the road. Not so much. Iowa State. They're kind of flip flopped, man. I mean, it's they 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 play better on the road than they do at home, especially offensively. Uh, they're uh, they're trying to uh, rebound from getting beat handily uh, by Oklahoma on the uh, tall grass. So back at the tall grass again. Uh, West Virginia is catching seven and fifty one uh, at Ames. Yeah. Uh... That Bat River 7, uh, that makes it look a little bit tough for Iowa State to get over that. I mean, they've lost. Uh, they haven't won a game yet in the, in, the, in the Big 12. They've lost five in a row. This looks like a team that just had the starch taken out of it by so many close losses, Jimmy. Uh, this season, those first four losses they had were all by seven points or fewer. If you go back to last season, when this started to happen about mid-year for Matt Campbell, a lot of close losses there. Uh, they had a, a streak of 10 losses since last season, all by 10 points or fewer. So they've been in almost every one of these games. And then last week, they end up losing uh, what by 14 to, to uh, Oklahoma. Uh, the offense, we knew they'd miss uh, Brock Purdy and Brees Hall, who before he got hurt might have been on his way to NFL rook, uh, AFC Rookie of the Year honors. Uh, they just don't have that sort of pop offensively this year. Deckers is sort of a hard scrabble quarterback, but he's not the big play guy that, that Purdy was. But the defense is still pretty robust. I'm a little bit worried about West Virginia here. Point spread loss aside, that was a tough loss, and this sort of was like the Penn State scenario we had a few minutes ago, Jimmy. All-out effort at home there. Last chance to really salvage something here for West Virginia in the season. They fell short. Now they've got to go on the road. Uh, JT Daniels, you know, we're seeing why uh, SC and Georgia didn't really block him on the way out. Uh, he just does not – he's not a leader, really. And he just uninspired – he's not inspiring the offense very, very much. And Neil Brown has got to look over his shoulder here. I mean, he can't keep going 6-6 six and six forever and, and hold on to his job. And he may have trouble getting that far uh, this year. He, he's got to really struggle to get bowl eligible. Even Joe Manchin is worried about uh, Neil Brown right now. So I, I think Iowa State might actually get him this week. I, I think West Virginia's got a problem, and, and maybe this is one to get over the hump here for Iowa State. They're due. They're certainly due. And I think they can get there. 28-19 score forecast for the Cyclones and Ames on Saturday. Uh, look, Neil Brown's not getting a 6-6. Six and six. I got over 5.5. I was high on West Virginia coming in. The brutal loss to start the season on Thursday night against Pitt. The overtime loss against Kansas. I mean, those are a couple that uh, got away from you, man. That uh, was just was just tough, man. And they had to steal one uh, at some point. But you're going to go 3-1 and one at Iowa State, Oklahoma, Kansas State, and at Oklahoma State? It's not happening. No. 
It's no. not happening, and I think it's uh, an important year uh, for him in year four, to say the least. Uh, that will be very interesting to see what the administration does in Morgantown. Iowa State, Bruce, I'm sorry, you had Syracuse plus a three-and-a-half against Pitt? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, Penn State minus 14, Michigan minus 26-and-a-half. Illinois-Michigan State game under 42-and-a-half, and then Maction. Yes, indeed, Maction. Uh, doubleheader tonight, Bruce has Kent State, Ball State under 62-and-a-half, under 62-and-a-half. Buffalo minus the uh, three against Ohio, and then Wednesday, both games kick off at the same time, 7 o'clock Eastern. Central Michigan plus four, and Bowling Green, Westward, Western Michigan under 47 and a half. You talked about Pitt earlier, too, with Slovis and the other ones. I mean, can you imagine? Pitt was a tough luck loser. They should have beaten Tennessee, Tennessee. in week two. Yes. I mean, the, the tip, the tip, uh, the tip ball uh, in the end zone for a touchdown that turned into an interception when they were up 10 to nothing. Uh, you lose your starting quarterback, overtime. Well, and Tennessee is not going to be lucky to be pit on the moon right now, much less uh, in Pittsburgh. He's Bruce Marshall from the Gold Sheet. I'm Jimmy Ott. This is Sports Betters Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.